Today in the Journey with Steve DeWitt, a message about the legacy of leaders. Moses was certainly flawed, but he was a successful leader. In spite of the failures and in spite of the key moments that he really dropped the ball, the end of his story is a story of faithfulness. And I urge you to see your life through Moses as fleeting and to see your legacy as something that you are building day by day. When reflecting on Moses, the image of a failed leader rarely comes to mind. Instead, he's recognized as an exceptional leader and a devout man of God. Welcome to The Journey with Steve DeWitt. Today, Pastor Steve explains what it takes to leave a lasting legacy with a lesson on the life and death of Moses. It's the conclusion of a message titled, When Leaders Die. If you missed part one, you can catch up anytime at thejourney.fm. But right now, let's join Pastor Steve in Deuteronomy chapter 34. Certainly Moses' life was remarkable. What a life Moses lived. The things he did, the things that he saw, amazing. So what about his death? Okay, today we're talking about Moses' death. How did Moses die? And in, in, in Moses' death, what do we learn about living and dying and leaving a legacy to the glory of God? So today's title, When Leaders die. And my outline today is basically highlighting the things that Moses did that created the legacy of Moses. What did Moses do and what can we learn about that? Okay. So note the first thing that Moses does is he teaches Israel. And the focus of his teaching is on the heart and on the relationship with God and on spiritual matters. He teaches them God's will and God's law. Now, here's another thing that he did, and we may not anticipate this, but Moses wrote a song that he wants them to sing, and as they sing it, they are being reminded of the truths of God's word, the promises of God, the covenant of God. And the third thing that he does is he offers a final blessing. He, he knows he's almost done. After 40 years of leading him, these are the last days of his leadership, he teaches them. He focuses on the will of God and the word of God and points them to the God of Israel. Second thing that he does is he empowers Joshua. We see in Moses a greater commitment to the mission than to his own glory and his own position. He gladly lays hands on Joshua, empowers him, in front of all the people, says, from this day on, here's your leader. He empowers Joshua. He elevates him before the people. This is a rare quality and one for us to admire and emulate, one that I hope to myself here at Bethel Church. Third thing we see in Moses at the end of his life is he finishes strong. At the end of his life, he wrote Deuteronomy. And we see in the writings of Deuteronomy a, a spiritual depth to him, an understanding of the will and the word of God. Even at the end of his life, spiritually, Moses is vibrant and strong. We also see here that God gives a gift to Moses. Look at chapter 34. Now we're in the, I told you it would take a while. Now we're in chapter 34, verse 1. Then Moses went up from the plains of Moab to Mount Nebo to the top of Pisgah, which is opposite Jericho. 
And the Lord showed him all the land, Gilead, as far as Dan, and Naphtali, the land of Ephraim and Manasseh, all the land of Judah, as far as the western sea, the Negev, and the plain, that is, the valley of Jericho, the city of palm trees, as far as Zoar. And the Lord said to him, this is the land of which I swore to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. I will give it to your offspring. I have let you see it with your eyes, but you shall not go over there. And here now is the moment of Moses' death. Moses dies, verse 5. So Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in the land of Moab, according to the word of the Lord. And he buried him in the valley, he being God. God buried him in the valley of the land of Moab, opposite Beth Peor. But no one knows the place of his burial to this day. Moses was 120 years old when he died. His eye was undimmed and his vigor unabated, and the people of Israel wept for Moses in the plains of Moab 30 days. Here now is Moses' obituary, okay? Your loved ones write your obituary. God writes Moses' obituary. Chapter 34, verse 10. And there has not arisen a prophet since in Israel like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face, none like him for all the signs and wonders that the Lord sent him to do in the land of Egypt, to Pharaoh and to all his servants and to all his land, and for all the mighty power and all the great deeds of terror that Moses did in the sight of all Israel. How's that for an obituary? You know, most of us are like, our obituaries are like, yeah, he graduated from this high school, worked here for so many years, uh, his family will miss him. <laughs> and then you have this like ooey, gooey, amazing obituary that God writes about the amazing life of Moses. And I want you to note in the obituary that God writes the order of importance. It does not start with the parting of the Red Sea. It does not start with the plagues and the mighty things. It begins with the fact that he met with God face to face. He starts with his relationship with God. And what an amazing relationship they had, a kind of closeness between Moses and God. We see this when he comes down from Mount Sinai, and his face is so reflective of, of proximity to the glory of God that the people of Israel are like, cover your face, it's like too much for us. And over and over, Moses meets with God. God shows him his glory he had a very close relationship with God, and I note to you that God notes that first. Did you know the most defining thing about us is not what school we graduate from, what we do, it is our relationship with God. Now our loved ones may not write it that way, and our obituary may not read it that way, but in the eyes of God, that's the most important thing. And he notes that relationship with God. Next, he summarizes Moses' life with signs and wonders in Egypt and great deeds in the wilderness wanderings. Some of you maybe could read this obituary and breathe a sigh of relief because what is not noted here is the fact that he murdered somebody. What's not noted here is his fits of anger, right? You know, beating the rock. None of these things are noted because Moses was certainly flawed as we saw off two weeks ago, but he was a successful leader, in spite of the failures and in spite of the key moments that he really dropped the ball. The end of his story is a story of faithfulness. 
And maybe you look at your story and you're like, I hope they don't write this in the obituary and I hope they don't note that in the obituary. In the eyes of God and the grace of God, the amazing grace of God, we see here that in the large uh, picture, it is the way that God uses us and the way that we serve him that is noted. And we note that God can use amazingly flawed people for his glory. And that's an encouragement to all the flawed people here. And that's most of us, I would say. So that is the death of Moses. And I'd like now, in terms of application, to draw some principles here that that I think all of us can apply and live in our life. And I'm gonna focus mostly on Moses as a leader, okay? Moses as a leader. And the thing that we see here is that all human leaders are interim leaders. Every single human leader, spiritual or otherwise, is temporary. There's a well-known book on church leadership succession. It begins with these words, all pastors are interim pastors. Is that true? I don't typically introduce myself that way. Hi, I'm the senior pastor of Bethel Church. Uh, it's, more, it's more normal. I don't go, hi, I'm the interim around here. Uh, people are like, well, where's the real one? You know. <laughs> but in reality, the real one is the interim one. All pastors, all leaders are interim. And as great as Moses was, I mean, and Moses was amazing. He was like as the greatest prophet ever. He himself also human. And because he was human, and because all humans die, Moses was the interim leader of the people of God. And there is something very healthy in a a church when the the collective culture of the church is seeing leadership that way. Now, there's a way to do this in an unhealthy way. I remember years ago uh, when I was a young buck pastor here, uh, I, you know, we made some change of some kind, and, and, and uh, one of the senior saints didn't like it and said to me, we were here before you came, and we'll be here when you're gone. What I'd like to say to that is, I don't think so. Uh, I don't think so. Not at the rate this is going. There are churches that are known as, some, in pastor world, we kind of call them hangman, hangman churches. And you look at the story of their church, and it's like they just eat up their leaders and they spit them out. You know, this guy was a senior pastor, you know, these six months, and this guy was there for, you know, 12, and then this guy was there for, and they just roll through leaders, they, they eat them up and they, and they spit them out. And that church is convinced the problem around here is these pastors we keep calling. We just gotta get the right guy, and then it's gonna be fine. And what they don't realize is, The problem is not necessarily the pastors, it is a culture within the church that is unhealthy. Healthy churches have a culture of trust and love which allows for a long-term leadership in the church. And this is what we we want, okay? So that's one side of the horse that we we can fall off on. But there's another side to this, and this is the problem uh, often in, in the, amongst the leaders, and that is it's easy for us to become entrenched in our role and feel entitled to it. People that, or even in the church members that assume that, oh, so-and-so, he's, he's, gonna, he's always gonna be there. Nope, 
He's not always going to be there. And to show you this, uh, I'd like to put up a chart of just a sampling of some of the uh, famous leaders in history, the very famous Illy Graham. Don't miss that one. Uh, But if you look at this chart, I just put some of these up, some of the famous uh, leaders in history. I'll just give you a moment to look at that. And I'm asking the question, what do all of them have in common? Class, and the answer is, they're all dead, okay? Now, they were all amazing and wonderful, but they're all dead. And what does that mean about any human leader, no matter how great they are? They aren't going to last. Every one of these individuals who built these wonderful ministries eventually had to pass the baton on to somebody else. And this is, friends, normal. This is the way that it goes. And we just need to acknowledge that, okay? We are all here temporarily, all of us. Church, your home, your family legacy, uh, your finances, whatever it might be, we hold everything temporarily and we are going to pass it on. We're all Moses with Joshua looming, okay? We're all at the bat, but there's somebody on deck, always. Moses, again, was great. Praise God for him. Nobody like him. But next up is Joshua. On we go. And that's the story of God's work in the world. Now, this gives me an opportunity to talk about my own transition here at Bethel Church. Am I announcing something today? Yes, I am announcing something today. I am announcing that someday I will no longer be the senior pastor of this church. (laughs) Now, that might shock some of you, but it's true. Someday, I'm not going to be here anymore. And what I better do is not have my own identity rooted too much in what I do around here because it is a temporary thing that I'm doing. Someday, I'm going to go from being Pastor Steve to just Steve And when you come to see me in that Florida retirement village, (laughs) after I put my teeth in, I'm going to smile at you, and I am going to say, weren't those great years that we had together? Praise God for them. I'm temporarily here. So are you. All of us are passing our legacy on. And I think it's spiritually healthy for a church to realize that and to appreciate what we have when we have it, but to see the fleeting nature of even the blessings that we have in the church. I hope to pass the baton of the leadership of this church through and with our lead elders to a Joshua someday who will continue to make disciples whose lives are all about him. That's what I hope. And the older I get, the more I think about that. I don't own this ministry You don't own this ministry. This is God's ministry, okay? We are temporarily stewarding it, but it truly is the Lord's. So like Peter and Paul, like Augustine and Spurgeon, like Billy Graham, and like my predecessor here, Marv Troyer, who is with Jesus, we are all Moses, and Joshua is coming. Second application. 
Healthy leadership prepares for the next leader. I remember when I was in leader, uh, uh, like early 30s, and, and the pastor here, I had one of the deacons that came up to me and he said, he goes, you know, you really should be uh, working on your successor. Now, there's a couple of ways you could take that, right? <laughs> what do you mean exactly that I should be, you know, thinking about my successor? Uh, but what I wanted to say is, like, because I hoped, you know, planned God was going to have me here for a long time, and indeed he has, you know, am I supposed to interview in the, you know, the five-year-old class? Uh, you know, how do I, you know, so 30 years from now, this dude is ready. It's hard to say. But what we do need to recognize is that healthy leadership is cultivating healthy leaders, okay? And a culture of cultivating, bringing them up. We look at Moses and Joshua. Joshua, Joshua tagged along with Moses. Joshua saw the things that, that they did, Moses did. He saw how he led. He learned a ton that prepared him to become the leader of Israel. And this is something we do here. It's something I, I'd like to see us do better. You know, we've long hoped for a robust pastor residency program here. We have not done that yet. We would love to do something like that to equip leaders for the future. I will tell you and share with you one thing that I have done. So back in 2019, I prepared a will, if you will, uh, a pastor will, a long document, I forget how long, it's long, where I basically spelled out all of my thoughts regarding uh, what happens if I should die hit by a bus, die of heart attack, something like that. And I went over it with the lead elders, we read through it. I even wrote an article for the Gospel Coalition about doing this, you can read it later if you would like. But I very much want to prepare this church for my eventual departure, no matter when that might be. Today I'd like to read a small portion of that letter, okay? Not all of it. There's some secret thoughts in there, but a portion of it. So this is really a letter to the church. Please hear me. I want the next pastor to be empowered to lead and pastor as I have for these 20 plus years. Please let the church know that my desire is, like Moses of old, to be buried so that Joshua can take over and lead, although in a marked grave, I might add. My whole ministry has been built on the truth that it is all about Christ. The church will honor my memory by not entrenching the way I did things as the way things must be done. This will slowly kill the church. This transition needs to be done with full hearts and the expectation that the new pastor will lead in new directions and new ways. I very much want him free to do so. Finally, I want to thank Bethel Church for the greatest ministry experience a pastor could ever pray for or expect. You have wonderfully loved me over these years and I am profoundly thankful. If I have any legacy in the future of the church, it is my desire that the supremacy of Jesus Christ would live on long after my death. While it's all about him, weekends may need to be shelved. I hope that the glory, beauty, and wonder of Jesus is always the heartbeat of Bethel Church. I love you and look forward to seeing you all in heaven with Jesus. Lovingly, your senior pastor, Steve DeWitt. So, 
that that is in a secret envelope somewhere in the building only to be pulled out if I should die. The last thing, and this really gets at, this is the culmination of everything I'm talking about here. Let's talk about legacy, okay? Legacy. No matter who you are, you don't have to be a pastor. You are, you are living a life. And the story of your life and the story of who you are is incredibly important to you. If it's not, there's something wrong with you, right? And with that, then there is also this sense of the legacy of my life. What, what is said about me when I'm gone? What lingers on? Does my life matter in any way? And I note from Moses that our legacies will be much less about the things that we did or the accomplishments that we made. It will be about who we truly were, the character of our lives, the love that we express to others, the example that we set as Christians. It's not going to be the car we drive, and it's not gonna be our education, and it's not gonna be the position that we hold in whatever company. People remember character. And this means, here's the good news, this means that the opportunity for every person here, no matter what role we have in life, to leave a legacy is there. You don't have to be somebody famous like Moses to leave a legacy. You are leaving one. The question is, is it a good one? And in a sense, we have the opportunity in our lives to kind of write our obituary. Like, what, what do you want your obituary to say? Maybe take some time today and write the obituary you want to have and then set about living a life that earns such an obituary. And we see that in the, in the grand scheme with Moses. We see his life, we see what's said at the end, and wise people will learn from it. And I urge you to see your life through Moses as fleeting, as interim, and to see your legacy as something that you are building day by day. And I urge you to build that legacy wisely. You're listening to The Journey with Pastor Steve DeWitt and the conclusion of a message titled, When Leaders Die. If you missed any portion of this message, you can replay it online at thejourney.fm. On our website, you'll also find Bible studies, articles, and other practical resources designed to help you grow in your faith and live it out each and every day. Today, Pastor Steve reiterated that achieving success in both living and departing from this life is contingent upon our spiritual well-being and our alignment with God's divine plan. And that's why we broadcast God's Word daily on the journey. It reaches men and women across the country. Through your contributions to this ministry, you help us share this Bible teaching program and bring the Word of God to those who are seeking it. So would you support the journey today? Your gift of any amount will help. You can give by calling us at 844-7-JOURNEY. That's 844-756-8763. Or give online at thejourney.fm. 
And when you do give, you'll receive Moses, A Man of Selfless Dedication. It's a book by Chuck Swindoll. In it, he provides an accurate portrayal of Moses, rooted in the truth found in God's Word. It also delves into the intricate aspects of Moses' life, capturing the emotions and humility of this remarkable figure who, like all of us, had flaws and vulnerabilities. As you read along with our current series, you'll be able to draw lessons from Moses' powerful life and apply them to your daily challenges. You can request your copy of this excellent book when you call 844-7-JOURNEY. That's 844-756-8763. Or give online at thejourney.fm. And if you'd like to listen to The Journey while you're out and about, then subscribe to our podcast. Just search your favorite podcast app for The Journey with Pastor Steve DeWitt. I'm Tim Svoboda. Join us tomorrow when Pastor Steve begins the final message in our Moses series. Learn why, if you like Moses, you'll love Jesus. Thursday on The Journey. Today's program was produced and furnished by Bethel Church in Crown Point, Indiana.